Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. final message through the Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus does is he concludes with a powerful story. Now, most of us as preachers, communicators, we know how important it is to have a good conclusion. Because many times, the conclusion is the last thing that people will actually remember, you know? And so Jesus is going to end with an amazing conclusion. But I've got to admit that a lot of us as preachers, we don't really know how to conclude, right? There's times that I'm, you know, listening to other preachers, and I'm like, land the plane already, you know? It's a, you know, ever-ready battery. It just goes on and on and on, right? I heard one lady tell her pastor, she says, you know, your sermons are sort of like the peace of God and the mercy of God, and he, he was about to say thank you. And she says, like the peace of God, they're beyond understanding. And like the mercy of God, they never end, you know? Well, maybe that's the way we feel sometimes. Maybe that's the way you feel about me sometimes. But here's the thing. Jesus is going to end with a powerful story. He's going to say, look, I've given you all this incredible truth. What are you going to do with it? Because based on what you do with the truth of Jesus' words will determine how you handle the storms in this life. And so from today's passage, we're going to learn how to stormproof your life. So let's look at it together. It's Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 24, the final words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Look what Jesus says. Verse 24, everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on rock. Verse 26, And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. As most of you know, I grew up in Florida. And and so almost every year, this time of the year in, in the fall, we would look at the weather because there was always a potential hurricane. Right? And, and growing up on the farm, there were certain things that whenever a hurricane was coming close by, we knew we had to do. We had to batten down the hatches. We had to secure everything because of the wind, possible wind damage. And there was occasionally when we knew the hurricane was coming very close that we'd actually put plywood over our windows to prevent any storm damage. Now, we in Chattanooga, we don't have to worry about hurricanes, right? We, we don't. But we got other things, other storms. What's that? We've got tornadoes. Right? Maybe on the radio or the t- you know, television we see that there's a storm warning or a storm watch. And I get those too confused, i got to admit. You know? One of them means, hey, there's a potential hurricane. And the other one means, take cover right now, you're about to get hit. Right? And, and so what happens whenever the storm comes, you know a tornado is coming. What do you do? You go to your inner closet. You go to your safe place and hopefully you've packed some water there and a transistor radio and a flashlight. Why? Just in case you get hit with a tornado. See, it doesn't matter where you live. Everybody faces storms. Well, that's what Jesus is saying in this passage. Jesus is saying your life is going to be hit with storms. Maybe not a literal storm, you know, but it will be some kind of storm. Why? Because in this life, you're going to have storms. It may be a financial storm. It may be some relationship problem and storm. 
It, it may be some emotional storm that inside you're just churning and it's a storm raging on the inside. The truth is every person in this room faces storms in their life. And so what Jesus does in this passage, he tells you how to stormproof your life. And, and so from this passage, I want to learn three principles of how do you stormproof your life? So jot them on your outline. The very first thing I want you to notice is this. You are building a life. You're a builder, and you're building a life. Notice how Jesus starts it off. He puts it this way in verse 24. Jesus says, be like a wise man who build his house. Now, on the surface, we may think, well, I guess Jesus is giving us good construction tips. (laughs) Now, obviously, Jesus, being a carpenter, knew how to build a good house, right? He knew that. But this has a deeper meaning. Like all of Jesus' parables, there is a deeper spiritual meaning here. And what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying every person in this room is building a life. Whether you realize it or not, you are a builder and you are constructing your life. Now, growing up, we probably all as kids learned the story of the three little pigs, right? And you have the one pig who basically built his, um, his house from straw. And the second pig built his house from, what, sticks. And then what happened? The big bad wolf came, and he huffed and he puffed, and he blew their house down. Why? Because they built their house with the wrong materials. We can do the same thing. See, you're building your life. And whether you realize it or not, every thought is timber that you're placing there. Every desire is a nail that you're putting in place. And every decision is like a block of stone that you've, you've put there. And your imagination are like windows into your soul. And we think, we go through life, and we just think that the circumstances, the decisions, or they're just haphazardly all put together. And Jesus is saying, no, they're all cemented together. And you are building a life based on the decisions and the thoughts of your life. You are constructing your life. You're building a life. And here's the principle. Ready? Jot it on your outline. You've got to live in the house that you built. You've got to live in whatever house you built. Uh, another way to put it, you've heard it this way before, um, you made your bed, now sleep in it, right? I mean, is the life that you're building storm ready? That's the question. Because you made your life, you've you got to live in it. You've got to sleep in it. it it's not going to be like the three little pigs story, right? I mean, the first two pigs, they, they, they constructed a bad house, and what do they do? They run to their brother's house, and he had constructed his house with brick, and it stood. Jesus is saying, no, you don't get to run to anybody else's house. You've got to live in the house you've constructed. You've got to face the storms of life with the house that you've constructed. So how you doing there? You are a builder, first principle. Second principle is this, your foundation. Jot this down. Your life has a foundation. Jesus is going to say the most important thing, the thing that you need to focus most on in your building project is the foundation. Now, we all know that a foundation is critically important, right? I mean, even our church, our church has had a number of building projects. And there's a couple of buildings around here that the way we had it constructed is with the foundation had to be this pure foundation, like our three-story education and gym that we have. I mean, the soil there is just terrible. And so what we had to do is we had to have these piers, concrete piers, over 50 of them. They went about 35 feet in the ground, concrete piers, just to have a good foundation for that building. See, foundation is critical. 
I mean, I think the, the most notorious example of a bad foundation of a famous building is this one, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, right? And there in Italy. I mean, it took over 200 years to build that bell tower. You may go, why does it take so long to do that? Well, because it had a bad foundation, it started leaning almost right away. And so they tried the best they could to keep it from leaning more unsuccessfully. You, you see that bell tower there? It's 185 feet tall, and at the top, it is 18 feet off center. And they say that if they can't figure out how to stop it from leaning anymore, eventually it's going to boop, just fall over because of gravity. Well, that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you have a foundation. You better make sure you get the foundation right. And there's one of two foundations that every person in this room has. Jesus tells us. Jot it down. First of all is this, the foolish foundation. The foolish foundation is a person who builds their life on sand. This is a person who hears Jesus' words but decides not to obey it. Look at how this is written in verse 26. The Bible says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man builds his house on sand. See, Jesus' definition is very simple. It's this. It's someone who hears the word of God and chooses to ignore it. That's the foolish person. Most of you have probably seen the, the movie Forrest Gump, right? And throughout that movie, Forrest is asked several times, are you stupid or something, right? And what's Forrest's reply every time? Stupid is as stupid does, right? Now, have you ever thought about that statement? It's very profound. Stupid is as stupid does. What does that mean? That means you could be the brightest person, you could have the, the, the highest IQ and intellect, but stupid is as stupid does, right? See, I've heard it put this way. God can bless ignorance, but he can't bless stupidity. You may go, well, what's the difference? Stupidity is informed ignorance that chooses to ignore it and not change. God says, I can't bless that. See, there are certain people that basically they know the truth of God's word and they choose to ignore it. And Jesus says, those people have a foolish foundation. You see it all the time in life. I mean, right? You, you've seen these beautiful homes in California. What, they build these million-dollar homes on the cliffs of California or right by, you know, by these rivers and creeks. Why? Because it's location, location, location. And then what happens? The storms come, the mud, mud, you know, begins to flow. And, you know, here are these very elegant structures that suddenly become mobile homes, right? And in fact, take a look at this picture. Here's recently in Arizona how that happened. Check this out. Now, I watch that video, and I'm like, that's somebody's life being washed away. That's their pictures, that's their memories, that's their life. It's all been washed away. And did you hear the home groaning, right? You know, I've heard that sound before. Where? At funerals. You see, people who have chosen to live their entire lives for themselves, they ignore the word of God, and, you know, they suddenly face the trial of death. And there's groaning. 
I mean, see, we live in America, and everybody knows about God, and everybody's got Bibles, but very few people read them and open them. And so what happens? They decide, I'm going to live my life on myself. All pastors have had the sad duty of performing funerals of people that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And they'll tell you, every pastor will tell you, that there is an agonizing hopelessness and grief at those funerals that is unexplainable. It is this groaning that happens. Why? Because their lives are washed away because they ignore the truth of Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus is saying, storms are coming. What are you going to build your life on? Now, is it easier to build your life without the foundation of Jesus? It is. I mean, because building your, your life on sand is easy. It is. I mean, growing up in Florida on the farm, man, I dug hundreds of post holes. It's easy in Florida to dig a post hole. Why? Because it's sand. It's real easy. And then I moved to Tennessee. I decided I'm going to put up a fence in the backyard of my house. It's hard to dig a post hole in Chattanooga, Tennessee with all the rock we got around here. I had to end up renting this motorized post hole digger just to dig a couple holes in my backyard because it's a lot harder to build on the foundation of rock. See, if you just live your life for you and you got no regard to the word of God and you, you basically think, you know what, I can live any way I want to and I can sleep with whoever I want to and I can talk whoever I want to and I can treat people however I want to and, and I can look at whatever I want to and say whatever I want to and think whatever I want to. It's easy to live a life like that. It is. It's easy to build your life on a sand. But Jesus says that's a foolish foundation. There's a second foundation that Jesus gives us. He contrasts this. It's the wise foundation. Jot that down. Jesus says, hey, don't be like the foolish man. Be like the wise man. What does the wise man do? The wise man builds his house on Christ and his word. Check it out. Look what the Bible says in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. Jesus says, build your life on me and my word. There's a funny story of this boy who he would, whenever they, his family would go on vacation, they'd go to the beach, and one of his favorite activities was building sandcastles. And so every day he'd spend hours building sandcastles. Well, there happened to be an older um, boy, sort of a bully, and what he'd do is he'd come by, as soon as he'd finished his sandcastle, he'd come by and kick down the sandcastle, ha, 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 laugh and run down the beach. Well, he wasn't deterred, and so he did a second day. He built another sandcastle, and almost on cue, the kid comes out, a bully, and, you know, kicks down the sandcastle, ha, 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 and runs down the beach. Well, the third day, again, he wasn't deterred. He decides he's going to build a third sandcastle. He builds another sandcastle, and right on cue, the older bully kid comes in and kicks the sandcastle, but this time he doesn't laugh and run down the beach. This time he goes, oh, grabs his foot. Why? Because the boy had learned to put a concrete block in the middle of a sandcastle. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you got to learn. You got to put yourself on the rock of me and my word. Now think about this. For the last 15 weeks, we've been studying Jesus's words. We've been studying What's our priority supposed to be? How are we supposed to think? How are we supposed to talk? We've talked about blessed relationships, blessed finances, how to have sexual purity, how to um, you know, overcome worry in your life, how to pray. Jesus has covered the gamut of just about everything in your life. And now Jesus is saying, what are you going to do with my words? Are you going to ignore it and be a fool? Or are you going to put it into practice? The apostle James says something very similar to this. 
In James chapter 1, verse 22, notice what James says. He says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. He, he's saying, don't just be a hearer of the word. Be a doer, because it's real easy to hear God's word and then ignore it. And then he continues. He says in verse 23, for if you listen to the word and don't obey... It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. You go, what is he talking about? Well, I think I've shared this before, but when I was in college, um, one day I was running real late. And so I was shaving real quick, and I cut myself in a couple places. And so basically, you know, like what you do is you grab a couple pieces of toilet paper and you press it on real tight, right? And if you've ever done this before, you know, if you take the toilet paper off too quick, it starts bleeding again, right? And so you got to hold it there for a while. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I got to get ready to go. I got, ain't got time for this. And so I just thought, okay, I'll just remember to pull the toilet paper off before I go to class. And so I drive to school and I'm in a hurry and I'm late. And I grab my books and I start rushing into class. Totally forgot the toilet, about the toilet paper. And so as I'm walking in, I notice these people that sort of looking at me strange. And they're sort of smiling at me and somewhere, you know, looking strange and sat down and one of our friends said, rough morning. And I go, no, it was normal. Why? Because you got toilet paper off, hanging off your face. What's James saying here? James is saying, you know what? We start looking like fools. You know, we, we ignore what God says. We walk away. We hear what God says, but we don't put it into practice. So let me ask you very quickly, sincerely, what is really your foundation? Now, I've done this on the bottom of your outline there. I've got a little box there where I want you to rate what influences your life the most. One to ten, least to greatest. And there's basically three places that influence how you live and how you think and how you believe. It's the world, it's your flesh and your emotions, or it's the word of God. So rate yourself. How much are you influenced by, first of all, the shifting sands of popular culture? And others, right? Right? I mean, basically, how much are you influenced by, you know, what other people believe and what your friends say and, and what the movies portray and the music portrays and what your celebrity, you know, you know what, what they say? Now, a lot of us go, oh, I'm not influenced by the world. I bet you're influenced more by our culture more than you're ready to admit. It's a huge influence in our lives. The second place, ask yourself, is this, personal opinions and your feelings. It's, it's the shifting sands of your own thought life. See, people may say, well, I'm not really influenced by the world much, but, see, I think this, and I believe this, and I feel this way, and because this is what I think, and this is what I feel, that trumps anything else. I don't know about you, but I can't put my intelligence above God's intelligence, and yet we live in an entire culture where everybody says, this is what I feel, so this is what I'm going to do. And so they are influenced more by their feelings than they are the word of God. The third thing is obviously God's word, right? The principles of God's word. And the Bible says, okay, we need to live our lives based on what God's word says. That means I've got to take my thoughts captive in obedience to Christ. That's what the Bible says. I've, I've got to, you know, have my relationships and my family and my finances and what I view and what I listen to and how I live my life. It's all based on the Word of God. I mean, you've got to determine what influences your life the most. This world, your feelings, emotions, and flesh, or the Word of God. And listen to me. If you have more influence from anything other than Jesus Christ and His Word, you got the wrong foundation.
You got a foolish foundation. Listen, a life is only as strong as that on which it rests. What is your life resting on? Let me say that again. A life is only as strong as that on which it rests. What is your life resting on? And you may go, big deal. What's the, what's the big deal? Well, the reason why this is all a big deal and why your foundation is so important is because of the final principle Jesus gives us. And it's this. Jot this on your outline. Your life is going to have, be tested by storms. Your life is going to be tested by storms. You see, all of our lives look fine till the storms hit us, Right? I mean, you look at a guy's house and you go, yeah, that roof looks fine till it rains and then suddenly it leaks. Oh yeah, that basement looks awesome till it floods and suddenly the basement floods. I mean, everybody's life, it looks awesome whenever there's no storms, but when the storms of life come, that is when you know, you know what? My construction's flawed. So let me show you a couple of things about storms. First of all is this, the certainty of storms. The certainty Everybody in this room is going to go through storms. You've heard me say it like this before. Either right now you're going through a storm, or you just came out of a storm, or you're about to go through a storm, right? I mean, Jesus says, here's the forecast of your life. 100% chance of storms, right? In fact, what Jesus does, because sometimes we as Christians go, well, if you love Jesus, you're not going to have as many storms. That's not what Jesus says here. Jesus basically shows you this person who's built his life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, and yet the storm hits him. Look at it. It's found in verse 25. This is the wise builder. Look what happens to him, verse 25. The rains fell. The floods came. The winds blew and, build against that, and beat against that house. Jesus said a similar thing in John 16, 33. Jesus said, in this world, you will face trouble. It's a guarantee, folks. You, you read in the Old Testament, this righteous man, Job, right? Whole book is about his trials. And what did he say about trials? Look at it. Job 5, 7 says, man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Jesus is saying, storms are coming. Guarantee, you are not immune to storms. And you may be sailing along and everything's fine and then suddenly a storm hits you. You know how quickly it happened? Phone call. Boom, little phone call. Boom, your life's turned upside down. I mean, it may be you're driving along and suddenly somebody broadsides you. Drunk driver, out of the blue, suddenly, you know what? Your life is a total wreck. Are you going to work and your boss says, hey, don't bother um, taking off your coat, you're fired. Or maybe you go to the doctor, you think you're fine, and then the doctor says, cancer. Or, or maybe you come home and there's a note and your spouse says, I don't love you anymore, I want a divorce. And suddenly your children are victims of moms and dads that can't seem to get along anymore. Or maybe it's a financial storm and you're not even sure how you're going to pay your next bill and, and then your car breaks down. I mean, storms come in all shapes and sizes and they will hit every person in this room. It is a certainty you will have a storm. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus is teaching. But this is the most important thing about storms. Here it is. Last thing is this, the discovery from storms. The discovery from storms. See, God allows storms into your life. Why? So that you'll discover something. You'll discover what your foundation really is. You see, here's Jesus talking about these two houses. On the outside, they look identical. They look fine until the storms come. And then once the storm hits them, that's when everything was revealed. Check it out. First of all, the storm hits the house of the wise Christian. Look at it, verse 25. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, but what happened? 
but it did not fall. Why? Because it had been founded on the rock. But you look at the opposite. You look at the foolish builder. What, what happens to him? Check it out. Verse 27, the rain fell. The floods came. The winds blew, beat against that house. Same identical storm, right? And what happened? It fell. And what? And great was its fall. Why was its fall so great? Because it was unexpected. Oh, my goodness. I didn't know this was going to happen to you. See, God will allow storms in your life to test your foundation. I see this all the time as a pastor. Same storm hit two different people. One person grows through the trial, and the other one are crushed by the trial. Same storm hits two people. One person becomes better, the other person becomes bitter. Same storm hits two people. One person goes, God. And the other person goes, God. Right? See, the storm reveals your foundation. I want you to hear a story of um, one of our young adults in our church. This time last year, she was heading to her senior year with um, a lot of college offers and softball, and then suddenly she was hit with an illness, and all her dreams suddenly disappear. Listen to the story of Shelby Duggar. On a hot and humid afternoon in August, about a year ago, my hopes and plans for my life came crashing down. That's where I found myself at the end of a softball practice. I lay on the ground with dizziness and weakness in my arms and legs, and I couldn't hear or see anything. I went to the pediatrician and then to Vanderbilt, and I was diagnosed with POTS. And that basically means that my heart is beating too fast to pump all the blood to my body, and I just have very bad circulation. So it causes a lot of problems like dizziness, weakness, and just no strength overall. I've played softball competitively since I was about four years old. Um, my whole life was filled with softball practices, games, hitting lessons, pitching lessons, and tournaments all over the country. As soon as I was diagnosed, I was left with a lot of thoughts of how could God use this for good. I felt hopeless, and I felt like my world was crashing down. What about college? What about softball? What am I going to do for my future? As questions flooded my head, the only thing that I could focus on was that God is good, and God is able to use this for good. After I was diagnosed, God put on my heart to say goodbye to softball. And as this was an extremely heartbreaking thing to do, I knew that God would give me the boldness and the confidence to do it. Um, Genesis 50:20 says that what Satan intended for evil, God used for good. And as my circumstances were terrible and they were filled with a lot of doubt, I knew that God could use them for good and God would work them for good in my life. I thought after getting sick that I was going to be bound for a wheelchair for the rest of my life. I thought that God couldn't use me while I was in a wheelchair and that I would never be able to fulfill my call to missions. But to my surprise, God has used me being in a wheelchair in so many more ways than I can imagine. Um, I have been able to go to classrooms at, at Silverdale and to be able to share the word and to share what God has done in my life. Um, I've been able to go back to the softball community and pour into that and pour into the kids that I grew up with, and um, I even got to baptize one of my best friends because going through what I went through, she saw how God does care about the little things, and God doesn't leave us just helpless and hopeless. 
What I've learned through this trial in my life is that every single person goes through trials too. Whether it be a petty conflict or an incurable disease, God is using those conflicts to grow us closer to Him and allow us to become more like Him. Now, based on how Shelby handled the trials in her life, what kind of foundation do you think she has? You see, rather than running away from Christ, she pushed into Christ. When all of her hopes and dreams were dashed, what did she say? She said, Christ, I don't understand, but you're enough, and that's enough for me. Um, Shelby has written a blog through this past year's experience, and um, one of the most touching days was um, when she went to the prom. And so she's going to the prom in her wheelchair, and suddenly her, her dress gets caught in the wheelchair and starts to rip. And she gets a little overwhelmed, and she goes to the bathroom, and she um, just cries and says, God, this is not how I imagined my senior prom, but I'm yours, and I'm going to love you and trust you through it all. Um, See, she had the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you the rest of the story. As you just heard, um, Shelby feels called to missions. This summer, she signed up to go on the mission trip to the Dominican Republic, and she had planned on going there with a wheelchair. Um, but God did another thing. God answered her prayers and has miraculously totally healed Shelby. Um, here's a picture of Shelby in the Dominican Republic. And um, it's, it's amazing. She's literally running around with a child on her back. No pain, no problems. It's miraculous. Nobody can explain it other than God. And um, that's the way our God is. Now, listen, does that mean that we're always going to be healed? No. But what it does mean in the storms of life, you make Jesus Christ your foundation. Christ has got to be your foundation. You go, why? Because we haven't faced the ultimate storm yet. See, every one of us are going to face the ultimate storm, and you go, what is that? That's the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. It is. And if you crumble through this life's storms, you're not ready to face the ultimate storm. And so if you go through a storm in this life and you realize, I'm not handling this the right way. I mean, maybe you run from trouble or maybe you run to an addiction or run to a relationship or, or run to some you know, food or some substance or whatever it may be. The storms of life hit you and you don't run to Christ, you run away from Christ to something else. God is saying to you, your foundation is wrong and you're not ready for the ultimate foundation yet. You see, trials are actually God's mercy to you to reveal to you the flaws in your foundation so that you can get them right. Let me close with this. Um, September 8th, 1900, huge hurricane hits the Texas um, coast, and specifically the center of the hurricane hit Galveston Island. You can see the picture there, just the devastation that took place there. It's um, known as the deadliest natural disaster in all U.S. history. Listen, over 6,000 people lost their lives from that hurricane. Totally destroyed Galveston Island. It was called Galveston's, um, you know, worst hour. But the survivors, they had a choice. Are we going to just abandon the island or are we going to stick it out? And they decided to stick it out and it became Galveston's finest hour. What did they do? They literally raised 
Galveston Island, 12 feet. They pumped 16 million cubic yards from the Gulf of Mexico onto the island. And then they built this huge seawall all along the south coast. And then, once all that was done, then they started construction again there on Galveston Island. Did it work? New foundation, did it work? Well, it's been hit by several other hurricanes of similar strength. The first one came in 1915. And as the hurricane was coming, everybody, you know, sort of held their collective breath. And guess what? Though there was flooding, every structure stood firm. Why? Because they had a new foundation. It's the same way with you, folks. Storms of life are going to come. Those storms reveal what your foundation is. If God reveals you got the wrong foundation, it's time to repent and rebuild on the solid rock of Jesus Christ. A truth that you all know, you've sang it before. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. You hear me? On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Storms are coming, folks. They are coming. What's your foundation? The only way you're going to storm-proof your life is to have the foundation of Jesus Christ. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the Connect Card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands, and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please, stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.